Hello and welcome to this CMS Audio Mission Prayer Focus for April 2013. I'm Mike Stranks. Before we go any further, I'd like to thank those of you who contacted me after my request a short while ago for your thoughts and comments. You may already have noticed a change. Do continue to let me know your thoughts on these prayer focuses so I can then take your views into account as I'm working on them. If you're in the UK and a Sunday night television viewer, it's likely that, even if you don't watch it, you'll know about the popular 1950s-based series Call the Midwife. Some of us at CMS were fascinated to notice one of the characters, Chummy, writing a letter to the Church Missionary Society applying for a short-term posting to Sierra Leone. We knew that Chummy was fictional, but it got us thinking. Was there a real-life Chummy, a midwife who had gone to Sierra Leone with CMS in the late 1950s? And there is. Unlike Chummy, Eve Vaws didn't stay for just six months, but served in various parts of Africa for over 20 years. Call the Midwife is set in the East End of London, whereas Eve did her midwifery training in Southampton. When we met, I asked her if there were any similarities between what's depicted in the programme and her own experiences. Yes, there certainly were. I cycled round everywhere, middle of the night. It wasn't a problem then. And um, got a telephone call to say so-and-so was in labour and um, went off. Most of the worst slums of Southampton had been bombed, so it wasn't quite like the scenes in Call the Midwife but it was quite basic and back-to-back -back houses and very limited. Some places we didn't sit on the bed because we didn't want to go back with more livestock than we came with. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you got to Sierra Leone, you weren't, of course, practising as a midwife then, were you? No, not at all. There was just a, a married couple and another nurse and um, we just did clinics in the villages. Was it a shock to you when you got to Africa, or was it what you were expecting it to be? I think it was what I was expecting. I, we went, I went out by boat on a cargo boat, and which rocked like a pendulum. It was full of cement. Well, when the boat stopped in Freetown, the humidity and heat just hit me. And then I met Archbishop Horstead, and I uh, said to him, um, how long does it take you to get used to Sierra Leone? And he said, well, I've been here 30 years, and I haven't got used to it yet. <laughs> this was the, the climate. Yes. But, um, was, was that right that you could only stay in Sierra Leone for a, a specific length of time because the climate was so fierce? Yes, it, we did 18-month tours there whereas other places might go up to four or even five years. So when I'd done a year there, I went to Nigeria for six months. And did you go back to Nigeria after that six no, months? No, no, I told CMS I would go back to Sierra Leone or Nigeria, so I went to Uganda. <laughs> <laughs> and in Uganda, you practised as a midwife? I visited maternity and child health clinics which were run by two midwives, African-Ugandan midwives, and I would visit them every month and take their medicines and check their books and so on. 
So how long did you stay in Uganda altogether? Oh, about 12 years. And did you find that a very fulfilling experience? Yes, I did. Yes, I very much enjoyed going on safari, replenishing all the drugs and such like. And then, of course, we had quite a lot of excitement with President Obote and um, Amin and so on, which made a different sort of interest. But, of course, Uganda wasn't the end of the story, was it? No, it wasn't. Somebody came out from headquarters and said that the medical system is working well in Uganda. Congo has been asking for a doctor for 25 years, but now they have agreed to have a health visit. So they said to me, we'd like you to go to Congo. And how long were you in Congo then? About 10 years. Did you feel yourself drawn closer to God in times of crisis and hardship? Yes, I did. One time I certainly was relying very consciously on God was when the army had been attacking our child health and maternity centres and they had attacked and raped the midwives in one place and the hospital manager and I went out to evacuate another place. And as we drove there, we lovely coffee blossoms, sweetly scented, but also the bodies of people who'd been killed and they'd forbidden them to bury them, so they were just lying on the road. And then we got to the maternity centre and wanted to take the midwives back with us but they said, no, we don't want to go. We've had terrible, heard terrible stories of Kampala and we want to stay here. They had the ward full of mothers and everything was working normally and they didn't want to go. We knew the effect on the village would be devastating if we suddenly took their midwives away. So we left them. After about 10 days, I was allowed to go back and all was well. But that was a time when I, I dramatically was leaning on God. Why do you think CMS and what it does is so important? The gospel is a gospel of wholeness, um, body, mind, as well as spirit. And I think it's up to us to share the good news and that we have in Jesus Thank you very much, Eve. It's been a delight to talk to you. Let's give thanks for those like Eve who heard God's call many years ago, faithfully served for most of their lives and continue to support CMS today. But let's also thank God for those whose interest in mission midwifery has been raised by Eve's story and who are even now considering where they might be called to serve. For many of us, the last time we heard from the Reverend Alf Cooper from Chile was when he was in the UK a couple of years ago with one of the rescued miners who'd endured those many days of being trapped underground. Alf and his wife Hilary have recently been back to visit us in CMS, and while they were here they spoke with Naomi Steinberg. She asked them about the history of the Anglican Church in Chile. The Chilean Evangelical Church experienced a revival in 1909, and since then it's not stopped growing. It's a Pentecostal expression of church, mostly. And uh, our Anglican planting of churches began in 1974 uh, in the middle class sectors, and that's grown fast as well. But 
you get in Chile something like, they say 20% of the nation has been born again. Successively, since 1999, when a special law was passed, bringing equality to the evangelical churches, equality with the Catholic Church, equality of status, all sorts of concessions have been made. Uh, one, there's a chaplain in the presidential palace, that's me. Secondly, there is a day uh, for the Protestant evangelical churches. It is a national holiday. So everybody has a holiday on that day. And they say, why are we on holiday? And the answer is the evangelical churches. Evangelical are all the non-Catholic churches, basically, with many different streams. And um, so that one day, the 31st of October, of course, the Reform uh, Day, Day of the Reformation, we hold in the palace this big meeting where we invite leaders of the evangelical church from all over Chile. It's been happening now for about 10 years, but um, I think recently we've managed to get people from all over. The last two years, we've managed to invite people from all over Chile versus just Santiago, the capital. And these 600 leaders this year also were united in a way that I think we have not seen for some time. The evangelical churches in Chile have tended towards division, each one seeking power, uh, each conglomeration and grouping of churches, even fighting with each other. But we managed, I think, to, man to get them together uh, this time. And that was a, a very important aspect of this particular um, celebration in the palace. The president was there, he wasn't there last time, uh, and he gave a talk. I think that's the first time that he should give such a great talk. He even preached, um, quoting Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, expressed his great appreciation for the evangelical churches, and um, I think paved the way for 2013 being a year of united uh, a united front as evangelicals. We already had meetings after that with some of the leaders saying, let's make 213 a different year with no divisions. So that's the fruit of that, I think. Do you think um, other people in Chile are watching this? I mean, is that is that something that's broadcast? Is it, I mean, do other people who aren't necessarily involved in the evangelical community, um, do they know about this event? Well, um not so much this this one, but they do uh, the Te uh, Deum, the Tidium, mm. uh, that uh, for the National Day uh, or week of, mm. uh, is in September, and from uh, from Allende, mm -hmm. the President Allende in '73, the President has been going to this um, cathedral. Evangelical Cathedral to do every year the Tidium, the, the Tidium Evangelico, Evangelical Tidium. That's another of these concessions. Uh, that, mm. And it's broadcast and everybody sees it. Yeah, and this was also on national TV, first time. First time it was ever on the news. Um, so let's see, the Evangelical Church is becoming more and more mm. uh, part of Chilean national life in a way that it wasn't before, thanks to these events. Alf and Hilary Cooper explaining something of the vibrant growth of the Evangelical Church in Chile and of the many opportunities that are opening up there.
Let's thank God for the visionary work of people like Alf and for that greater sense of unity being experienced among the church leaders. Let's also pray for Alf in his key responsibilities, including that of being presidential chaplain, and for those other church leaders too. Let's pray that that spirit of unity will grow and that the great things being experienced in Chile will flourish and prosper in God's way. For our third focus this month, we turn to Tanzania. Anne Lappage has served there as a CMS mission partner and teacher for some time. But for the last couple of years, she's been joined by her husband, Kevin Simmons. When they met Jeremy Woodham, he started by asking Anne just what subject she'd been teaching. Bible knowledge at the secondary school, that was an O-level subject which is academic and it needs um, quite comprehensive teaching of Old Testament and Luke and Acts with English questions, you know, questions in English. Whereas uh, I was also teaching at the Bible school, all in Swahili, and that was Old Testament on its own and quite a basic level, really just a three-month course, but getting people up to speed who hadn't maybe studied before at all. Some people even couldn't read and write, so um, that was quite a challenge, but uh, quite inspirational as, as well. Who was coming to the to the Bible school? Is there anyone you can you can tell us about that will illustrate the the kind of story those people have and? Well, there's one girl who had um, not had secondary education before. She'd done primary school, but she had quite a stutter. And uh, it was amazing to see when I started teaching about Moses, he was always talking about how he couldn't speak and how he didn't have the gift of the gab. And it's almost as if he might have had a stutter. I don't know, but it's almost implied from the scripture. And when I said that, she kind of had a glow about her and suddenly came out of herself and, and uh, started to be more confident that if Moses had a stutter, maybe I'll be all right. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about, uh, about the church there. I mean, it's, we have our strap line at CMS, sharing Jesus, changing lives. You know, the work you've been part of, clearly we've had a, a little glimpse there of someone's life changing mm. just a little bit as they get some new, newfound self-esteem. And mm. What other ways have you seen a sort of life-changing impact in the work that you've been part of? Well, when uh, one of the churches was, was started in Kilolo town, um, there was a girl there who was involved with selling beer and more. Um, and she was on a, a slide in her life um, and she had a dream once she should go and visit the Anglican pastor and she followed her dream and went to visit him and he told her about Jesus and she became a Christian and then later on when she was worshipping in the church uh, he said to her you should take a bit more of a leadership role and um, she said no I can't do that but in the end she did, and she actually, her whole life was transformed because she didn't then have to depend on the beer to bring in an income. She could actually be free of that and, and start going out and reaching people for uh, Christ. But then, as well as becoming an evangelist, she then became a member of the Tear Fund outreach team in the diocese which go around other churches and, and help people to help themselves. 
So it's not bringing in income from overseas, but helping people to find resources within their own environment to pay for, for instance, the upgrade of the school um, in the village. Yeah, and we're talking about changing other people's lives. I wonder, has the experience changed your life? Yes, it's, uh, it's certainly changed my life. Three years ago, my life uh, was at a very low point. Um, my first wife, Ingrid, had uh, died. She had uh, stomach cancer, and after a long illness, uh, very sadly, she passed away. And at that stage, I couldn't see any future for me. Uh, life had come to an end. There was nothing, nothing to live for. Um, but within a few months, God had turned it round. He brought Anne and, and I together. We got married in the autumn of 2010. At that time, I didn't really expect to be going to Tanzania. I thought Anne would come back to the UK and, and we'd settle here straight away. But God had other ideas and, and he, um, he called me to Tanzania. He made it very clear and that's where he wanted me to go. Before that, it, it just wasn't on my agenda, but he made it clear that that's what he wanted me to do. And so uh, I, I followed his calling. Together we went out and it has been just the most amazing time for me. It's been hard, got to say that, <laughs> it hasn't been easy, uh, but it's been very fulfilling. And uh, I feel God kept his promises to me all the way through and, and has, has blessed me, he's blessed us in, in ways that I could never have imagined. A couple of great stories from Anne there about the transforming power that God can bring into people's lives. And an equally inspiring snapshot from Kevin about how God has brought joy from sadness and taken Kevin into areas well outside his comfort zone, but has been with him through it all. We'll give thanks for what God is achieving in Tanzania, thinking particularly of the two people Anne mentioned and pray for Anne and Kevin as they consider God's plans for their future. Our reflection on what we've heard this month is brought to us by Katie Jenkinson, CMS's speaking engagement agent. Listening to our CMS mission partners, you realise how committed each is to following the path that God has prepared for them to walk in. Eve's journey of faith took her across four countries in Africa, sometimes in difficult and dangerous circumstances, where she learned she had to lean on God. Kevin's journey led him from a dark time to the start of a new life with Anne in Tanzania, which he could never have predicted, but which, through trusting in God, he found fulfilling. The key to the physical and spiritual journeys taken by each of our contributors is that they have chosen to seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. This is not always an easy choice to make. It involves an absolute trust in God that he will be with us whatever situations we face. Our life journeys will take us through many ups and downs. Sometimes we experience times of ease and plenty, and sometimes desert and difficulty. Wherever we are today, and whatever we are experiencing, God is always there, always leading us on the path that he has prepared for us to walk in. When we place our trust in God and choose to seek his kingdom first, then we learn to cooperate with our God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. 
Wherever we may be on our life journey today, know that we can always rely on our God, that He delights in each one of us and will guide us as we commit our paths to Him. As it says in Proverbs, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Thanks for joining me for this month's CMS Prayer Focus and a special thanks for the continuing faithful prayer that I know so many of you offer for CMS, its mission partners and associates on a day-by-day basis. I'm Mike Stranks and I'll be with you again next month for more news and prayer topics from CMS people serving God around the world.